And it's Dan and James talking about the Villa games. games. Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to the AVFC Faithful Podcast. Long time no see, and you are joined, as always, by Dan and James. And boy, do we have some Villa games to talk about. James, how are you, my friend? Um, I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I don't think I could be any better. I think the time's come again where we're sat there waiting for the next Villa game. I know it hasn't ever really been a bad time, but, I mean, wow. Uh a hectic month for myself, at least personally. February was a month I'm I'm glad to be out of, and I'm glad to be able to find some time to be back on the screen, talking to the beautiful people, and obviously talking to your beautiful face about all things Aston Villa. And I think we've got enough to talk about for a fair while, haven't we? We have, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the last game that we did together, but <clears throat> yeah, it's been a it's been a decent month, hasn't it? And looking at the table, I think we're we're in control of what of where we want to be now. So. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game and it's the start of, you know, a, a tough period coming up. Yeah, I mean, the last game we did was just before Newcastle at home. That so, feels like a really think, long time ago. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It was the end of January. We were still in the FA Cup. So <laughs> it was... Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we went through arguably our worst patch, so to speak, under... I mean, I wouldn't even say it was, was it really our worst patch under Emery, but... I mean, a lot of people wanted to call it that. They they started calling about the downfall, didn't they? And uh, I mean, they were wrong. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a strange position we find ourselves in. Uh, five points <coughs> clear of fifth, eight points clear of sixth. Um, you know, it, it, I think th- uh, the first thing I got to talk about is we didn't really expect this, did we? Well, I think after you know that little rough patch, if you want to call it that, and then you add in. Conta's injury, he had in Kamara recently, and yet we've created a, another gap again. And it's just like we do seem to be a bit relentless this season. Like even with the setbacks, we find our way, you know, back in control of uh, of being in fourth spot. And you know, I think tomorrow will be a tough game, but I'd still back us to to win that pretty well. You know, to maybe three one. Um, but yeah, just. Coming up to a really tough period, I, I feel really confident again. I think we, we seem to look um, rejuvenated and we look like dynamite again, to be honest. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, that the likes of Ajax come into to Villa Park and we've got that big game against Spurs. But, you know, just got to keep taking it a game at a time. And, you know, if you keep winning, you're going to be there or thereabouts, as Steve Bruce would say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in different sort of circumstances to what we had to deal with that potato head, man. But you know, it's uh it is a str- it is a strange system, isn't it? It's a strange situation we find ourselves in. Um I'd always think back to sitting in this exact spot chatting to you with our preseason thoughts in, and I'm sat there going, you know, conference league and seventh, eighth, I'm probably happy. I mean, you look at seventh eighth now and you're really disappointed because it's that's a what three, yeah. four game swing between us and United to get us out of top well, top five contention pretty much. So uh, it is it is a bit silly at this point, I think. But it's also not because it's sort of like a lot of people, you know, are upset, obviously. And it, I see both sides of the coin of, you know, where Villa are in the discussion with a lot of pundits and Sky and BT mainly. Uh, but I think this is going to start to be a new norm, really, considering the level of investment and the level of squad we've got and the high-level coach we've got and... <laughs> We're clearly not going anywhere. We're not sort of having a 
everyone thought that Europe would really curtail our season. It really seems like it's actually helped it because a couple of players who weren't probably going to... I think Imagine we have two injuries that we have last season of Mings and Buendia. And say we had Pau Torres then uh, and Diaby. They've got less games to come into the fitness that they've come into and the level of play for that they came to. Right, Diaby's not having the season other people would expect. But then otherwise, Bailey's starting all those games. It's a strange system where Europe's actually, I feel like it's helped us. And um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Ajax away on Thursday. Oh, it's a crucial week, isn't it, really, for in a lot of Villa fans' eyes, understandably. I'll be honest, I'm more worried about Luton away than I am Spurs at home. I think Lewis a bit of a bastard of a place to go to. Um, but I'm yeah. looking forward to it because, I mean, it's one of those games where you see it's on Sky and for some reason it becomes way more important. I don't know why, but half five away at Luton feels like one of those where it's like everyone's going to be on you. Like, that's that's one people will be back in for a home draw or, or, or a win, you know, for, for Luton. So, um, yeah, it's strange. And it? I, I, I can't stop smiling talking about Villa. People keep chatting to me. I'm like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is honestly like I think that period in January, I think with the, the the break, the winter break, and then the you know the FA Cup coming into it, I felt like it just it stunted like for me, like the I don't know how to explain it. I felt like we'd hit a rhythm, mm -hmm. and then even for me, like it felt like we just stunted that, and I was just a bit like out of kilt with it. And I think I don't think the break helped us in terms yeah. of our. Our momentum. I think we're a team that really feeds off momentum as, as good as we are. I think we need both things at once, you know, air quality and momentum. Um, and we seem to have picked that back up again. And tomorrow, you know, Kenilworth Road seems to be a place where Luton tend to be the most competitive, which isn't really that surprising. I think it's no. really compact for them and they can do the job they want to do. But we've got to go into it with a, a level of authority as well as a level of respect for them. And I think we have to show the quality that we have. And I, I agree. I think when you're on TV, uh, I think you've got all those more eyes on you that mm. uh, may be expecting you to slip up because it's one of those games and you have to show what you're about again. And I think they will. I really do think they will, you know. I love how Kamara's, you know, got injured and we've we've got this midfield now with McGinn, Louise, Tielemans, Ramsey, Bailey. And it seems to have a nice balance to it. So we've lost a really integral player, but we, we found something else and it seems to be flowing really well. And I think there's enough dynamism and enough strength in there that can see us through for the rest of the season with, you know, a couple of minutes here and there for the locks of Eric Boonham and then Rogers up front and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we've, we have got a few options and then if Concer is, you know, back fit in the next couple of weeks and starting and then Torres as well, I feel like, we're going to hit a really good run of form again. And hopefully that is the case. And I'd love to, to you know, beat Spurs at home and, and make it through past Ajax and, and over the two legs. It'd be some month for us, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah well, you got to think, haven't you? You beat, obviously, you beat Ajax away. You beat Spurs at home. That's pretty much dead set you on to get where you're aiming to be for the <laughs> which is the last stages of Conference League and challenging for I mean the I think people were weighing out weren't they it's either win the conference league and finish sixth or seventh or you know battle for Champions League and understand if that takes a hit on the conference league but we're seemingly managing to do both Ajax don't seem too much of a 
a worry. I think the, the reason it worries me most is that is arguably the biggest team we could have pulled out of the draw. I think we all, yeah. I mean, I knew due to the fact that it's the only fixture I couldn't go to that it would end up being that one anyway, um, which is a shame. Can't make either legs, which is just really frustrating because that was like a nailed on cert for me. But we're in a situation now, aren't we, where I, I think I wanted to get on to chatting about a couple of players. I, I, obviously, we've got the news today that apparently Powell and Concert are looking like they're possibilities for tomorrow, not certainties. They're being judged, aren't they, in the morning? Um, yeah. I'd be interested to have a little chat about Claremont Longley because he's one of those signings, which I think a lot of us sort of just went, that makes sense. He's a left-footed centre-back that's going to cover Mings's injury. But he's actually, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's like, oh, he's basically Paul Torres. We basically replaced Paul Torres. He's obviously not, but I think he's done a really impressive job considering he's been thrown about every single time he's played, as he? he's never been eased into the game. Yeah, I think he's a, a really decent player. Uh, I I like him on the ball a lot more than I like him defensively, but even defensively, I think he's he's played his part with like last minute, last second blocks and stuff like that. I, I think there's still a huge difference between him and Pau, but I think if you can cover Torres when you've got Longley, I think that you've done something right. Um, you know, because you, you're not going to have someone of Torres's quality, no. you know, uh, be, behind Torres. So it, it's a logical step right now. It, if we do get into the Champions League, it, it's going to be interesting to see how we recruit again. Um, I don't think Longley will come back, to be honest. Um, it'd be then how we cover that, but then we have Mings as well. Yeah. So, But I think for what we needed this season, I think Longley's done his job when he's needed to. Um, I, I think he's a, a solid 7.5 out of 10 for me. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's a, it's a strange situation you've got where you've got four centre-halves basically rotating around. I know obviously Konza hasn't always played there, but you've had those four rotating in around that position. And due to injury and stuff, no one's really been there like as a stalwart the entire season, apart from Esri Konza, that you've only really got Longley as someone who's actually been in and around the most. I think next him, it probably is. It is actually, I think it's either him or maybe Carlos that's probably featured the most for us. So it's an impressive situation, I think, where you come in, especially in a league where you've been known to underperform, I guess, for Spurs. And then put in the decent level performances that are pretty much, I guess, for the bare minimum for a club like Tottenham Hotspur. But for us, we're game-defining in matches where we needed some solidity there that we weren't having. So, I don't know. I think it's impressive. I'm always impressed by players that show a level of adaptation to a role that they weren't supposed to be playing at the start of the season. And, it, I I mean, I guess moving on to that, obviously, you've got the likes of Leon Bailey, um, coming through, you've got Luca Digne who impressed at the first half of the season. I think a lot of us are very happy that he's back now, uh, because him and Moreno, I think Moreno is really going to benefit from having someone to to take his position for at least thirty minutes of the game. Because it's clear to see there was a. Re- I mean, we now know why Moreno and Digne were swapping because both of them seemingly are finding it quite difficult to do full nineties considering the role they've got to play. Yeah. There's one person I want to talk about, Jacob Ramsey. Now. <laughs> how long were we talking about the start of the season oh when Jacob Ramsey comes back and then Jacob Ramsey came back and it was slow which was the most level-headed Villa fans it was frustrating but understandable there was obviously the fair few that were like, oh, the injuries ruined it out of him but these past three games man he has been exactly what you've wanted 
I can't get over the the way he takes the space. I think he was doing it most against Forest in the center of the park. Like he was just drifting yeah. in, taking the ball, and doing exactly what he did all of last season on the wing, but doing it centrally, which I found different. I know he obviously he did sort of both last year, but he was so central in the past <laughs> couple of days that he sort of reminded me of hit. He basically put a bit of Emmy Buendia in his game, which I thought was yeah. really impressive. But I mean, how great is it having him back and and looking like he's back on fire? Well, yeah, you, you know, you don't have to ask me twice to, to rave about JJ. I, I think he's great. And yeah, it, even uh, the the performances were slow and it had that sort of effect that when there was that news about him potentially being sold, I, I think people were like, yeah, I'd take the money for him. But I, I think that he's less replaceable than the likes of Douglas Louise for me. I think there's more people that can do a job that Louise does. Not saying that he's not top class because he really is. He's, he's he's shown everything that we expected he could be when he first came into the club. Yeah. But in terms of skill set, I think he's slightly more replaceable than the likes of Ramsey because of the the physical and efficient side to an attacking player like he has. Um, but yeah, watching him against um, Forrest was, was really interesting because... Yeah he would start out wide, but then he'd drift in to pretty much the centre circle, like the, the centre spot, and then he'd drift back out and, and he'd pick the ball and he'd carry it and it'd be a nightmare to mark. And if he drifted in and took the fullback with him, Moreno's got loads of room to to run into then and that happened a couple of times we found him in space. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting watching how those two 10 rolls, I guess, how they come central. But yeah, Ramsey was just really intelligent in finding the space I think the other the other day and he had a really good game and I thought his assist was brilliant that the awareness when he gets the ball in a tight space like that I think most players would probably shoot first time even if yeah. they did fluff it but he had the awareness to take a touch and, and lay it off for Louise for the simple finish um but yeah it, it's great seeing him get back up to those levels again and I think he'll start you know notching those goals again I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him getting one against Luton so yeah, I'm dead happy to see him back up to those levels. Yeah, I think it's especially important seeing him performing like that when you have got the conference league coming back up because, I mean, that's where we're going to see, obviously, Zaniolo, probably Rogers as well, start forming around that like that rotation that we'll have. It's so important seeing him provide because he's going to need to provide in the games where he's likely not going to be playing in the next 90. So, yeah, I, I, I just... It's something about the way he plays that... I, I see. I completely understand what you mean about Louise because, like, there was reports coming out today about obviously City are looking at signing him. Blah blah. No actual tangible headlines about it, but it's. I saw it, and again, it didn't make sense to me because I don't see a gap in City's midfield where he's exactly who he would replace unless they were to sell like one of their larger name players. I don't really see where he would be needed there. Now United, I'd understand that midfield is screaming for someone like him. Do you know what I mean? And I think we've all, it seems to be like a, a resignation for a lot of Villa fans that Louise is probably going to be the one to go. I mean, a, a midfielder with that level of output and that nationality and that age, he's going to start reaching that point where the, the profit probably becomes too hard to ignore. And he's, he's sort of cashing in like with Grealish, isn't it? Cashing while the name's sky high, you know, where his stock's up. Yeah. I think that's the problem, isn't it? We've got Kamar, a lot of Villa fans moan, they're like, they don't talk about Kamara or Watkins or Emi Martinez enough. I mean, the reason being, if you play for a club like Villa and you talked about way too much, 
there's only one place you're sort of going, it is the exit door. I know it's time for us to sort of stop thinking like that too much. I'm really trying to, but <coughs> with the issues that come around with FFP, they sort of come up a bit. And I know we both actually, I think we both agreed on it that that we would have to probably see Louise at the door first in when it came to FFP. But again, two more goals against Forrest. He sort of, he, again, I like the conversation he has there. I wanted to have a chat about Emery and his relationship with the players because a really interesting chat between him and Luca Digne during the game. Um, and then also that really interesting conversation that Louise had and he'd had about Louise where basically he came out and said, look, you're losing the ball too much. You're not providing where I want you to provide. And then you see his game go up halfway through a match. I mean, it, it's hard to not be unconcerned about the idea of some players going because the way that Unai Emery dictates the play around these players and sort of lives through them, you can only sort of see it improving in players like, for example, Morgan Rogers. Yeah, see, the, the thing that doesn't concern me these days and why I'm quite relaxed about talking about uh, Louise leaving and I don't feel like... I would be really sad to see him leave. I think he's such a special player, but yeah. having Emery makes you feel confident that we'll bring another player, bring another player in, and they will eventually reach those levels. I think that the Emery Monchi relationship will be key, hmm. and uh, I'll throw another player in there that shows what Emery's man management must be like because he's been told he can leave twice, but he's still brought back into the fold to be part of the squad, and that's Callum Chambers. Yeah, and Callum Chambers. Obviously works hard because he wouldn't get picked to be part of the squad. If not, he would just be left out. Yeah. And Emery's obviously got this way of, you know, saying to a player, you are surplus, but if you aren't going yet, I need you to be ready. And despite the first, you know, rusty five minutes, which are, I think you can say are definitely acceptable when you haven't played a lot, I think you must have a huge amount of respect to be able to go in and work like that when you've when you're clearly not part of the plans. Yeah. So I think I think that itself shows what Emery's man management is like. Yeah, I mean, let, let's not be around the bush. I think the majority of Villa fans were very upset when they saw that substitution happen at half time. I mean, when you can see just for half time then lose your centre half. Obviously that's yeah. devastating. And then it was Callum Chambers who again we all pretty much signed off as going in January. But again, like you said, it's very impressive that I mean, we don't know whether there was a suitable offer that came in for him. He's probably looking for for game time, considering his age and what he provides. <laughs> but like you said, he, he comes in, he seemingly has no grudges. He didn't kick off about being wanting to be sold, because again, like you said, wouldn't be in the squad. No attitude problems. Comes in, still don't think the goal is actually just his fault. I think that's just a defensive collapse at the start of the second half. Forrest came out, all guns blazing. We weren't switched on enough. Make st stupid decisions that allow us to get, get in behind. But after that, like you said, he performed, again... So many Villa fans were like, oh, look at everyone now. Just because we won, go or loving Callum Chambers. Well, no, it's sort of under, it's all about context. Like you said, a guy who hasn't yeah. played consistent football at all this year comes on halfway through a Premier League match and performs to a level that means that we win the game still, not just because of him, but a performance that's definitely deemed at least acceptable. Obviously, in the context of things, you're going to be way more impressed by that. So, I, I agree with you. I think that there is testament to what Emery puts in a player, this self-belief where he's obviously not being told you're being sold because you're a terrible footballer. He's been so look, you're free to go because you're not part of my plans. 
But yeah. I'm happy, like you said, I'm happy to pick you considering the fact that we've got the injuries and I believe that you're still a good enough character and a good enough player to to fit into our system. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's, a, it's an interesting situation. It's, you know, you've also got obviously Kane Kessler Hayden and, and like you said, Tim in and around the match day squad a lot now. Uh, I think a lot of fans are probably ex- for some reason expecting Kane Kessler Hayden to be starting at right back. I understand there's gripes with, with Matty Cash a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of people do need to remember that Europe was coming up and it was a chance for Kane to probably get in around first team Premier League football and be involved in that squad. I think I'm just interested because I wanted to talk a little bit about Ollie Watkins before, you know, we start wrapping up. Ollie Watkins is now, I believe he's still, if I might have my facts wrong, I'm sure I'll be fact checked if I'm not the Premier League player with the most goal contributions in the this season, I believe he's still that way, despite the fact that Harlan decided to I think yeah. netted one in the midweek, not the FA Cup game where he scored five. Don't worry, I mean the other one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think he only scored one. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean it's interesting to me because I think he's another player that I, I've slated him on this podcast. I believe um, you respectfully haven't. You've always said that the. There's areas where he can improve and has improved this season. I'm interested to see if you think that this is his seat, if this is his ceiling, or if you think there's more to him that we haven't unlocked yet. Um, I think there's a little bit more. I don't think you can do too much more without the players around you being better as well. I think you know you can only be as good as what is around you at the same time as you know having a little bit more potential in you as well. Uh, but when you think about the fact he's got 24 goal contributions in 26 games this season, those are pretty sensational numbers when you consider, you know, it's pretty much, it's nearly half and half with goals and assists yeah. for a forward, which says how all-rounded his game is. So I think maybe it could be a slight bit more clinical, but I think people can still be harsh of him on that because he's genuinely a really good finisher. And the thing is, he's, he's a really good forward because he's always getting himself in those positions and if you find yourself there you're going to score a lot more he, he does have these patches where he'll you know go three or four games maybe without a goal but if that's the case and you're still getting 14 goals maybe that's the just the, the slight bit that you can improve on adding another couple of goals in a couple of goals in those patches so I don't think there's too much more he can do and I think that he's a Champions League level striker he's just not elite but that's not an issue as, as such right now because there's a lot of teams about an elite striker that score bags of goals and yeah. get somewhere so you know I think I, I, I still don't think there's everyone realises how good he is and I only think they'd realise how good he is when he goes um, if he goes I, I, st- I think he'll still be here next season to be honest as much as there's a little bit of talk around him I don't know I just feel like he's part of the furniture in there in a really good way yeah, and I, and I hope that's the case because I, I really love Watkins and I think he's a big part of uh, of why we do well as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, if he was any better, he wouldn't be playing for us in my yeah, personal opinion. I think considering his age and I think if he was, like you said, if he scored maybe those those two or three games where he doesn't score or, you know, if he, he scores those one or two extra chances, he's a 20-goal-a-season striker and he's not playing for Villa, he's playing for one of the big six. So, 
I think, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm definitely part of the camp where I think a lot of people are going to realise how important he is to this team and, and how good he has been when he goes. I know enough people that, you know, the, sec it's, the problem is he's a striker. So if we win and he doesn't score, he's deemed shit, which is nonsense to me because of the way we play. He's, we're not played through Watkins. Watkins is part of our overall attacking play. I mean, uh, that goalie, score, that goalie scores against Forrest... Arguably, obviously, he gets himself into that position, but it's not a great finish. It's a tap-in because he got into that position. But then you go and see the assist he makes for Bailey, which I thought was a deflection off the keeper. But now I've, I don't know if you've seen the angle where he fucking chips it over the keeper with his left foot to play it to Bailey. It's ridiculous that he saw that. But, yeah, but, that was his attempt. It was his temp attempt to, to square it. I'd... I, I think there was a little touch off the keeper, but I like you know, my <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, though, it's the sharpness and the athleticism and the and the speed off the blocks that gets him into that position, and I think that's what makes him such a good forward as well. It's not just the the goals and the assists. He's a he's a nuisance for defenders. Yeah, you can drag him anywhere, and he can run in behind, come short, run the channels. He's he's got it all. Yeah, I mean. Look, you look at the teams around us, you look at Spurs and you look at Man United. I mean, neither of them have a particularly, apart from Hoyland of the past since since he played us, um, you know, that neither of them have exactly prolific singular goal scorers in their team. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I think it will be what actually defines the rest of the season for us in the Premier League is the fact that we've got that spine of hopefully Powell back. So obviously you've got Emmy, Powell, Dougie and then Watkins. I think that's such a vital part that a lot of these other teams around us don't actually have that spine. Like, I mean, Man United do not have a spine, and Spurs, while they have a very good team, are often without that very important spine through injuries or you know they hit their Spurs patch. Obviously, Luton tomorrow. Uh, Luton have got what three big injuries? I believe they're without what they're without Ali Bio still. Um, their first choice centre half. I forgot his name. I'm I'm not going to pretend like I know it off the top of my head. Um, it's it's an opportunity I think there for Watkins as well because, you know, when you're playing against defenders that aren't starting and you're starting every game, it's your chance to sort of put your mark on them early. And I think Ollie does that it, when you when you see him beat the first man straight away, he has a great game. I feel like the second that he doesn't. And the second leg starts losing aerial battles and, you know, the you know a little like elbow in the back and he goes down, he doesn't get the free kick. That's where it starts coming up rather. I think that is going to be really important tomorrow. Yeah, they, they have got a, a few injury niggles and they've not got Lukonga in the middle of the park as well. He was looking really good. So that that's a positive for us. But yeah, the, there'll be a unit as usual. They're, they've still got some some threat in their team. Um, but we've got to go there and take control of the ball and not give them much to feed off because, you know, it, I don't want it to come back and bite me, but the, the the disparity in quality is that if you give them less chances, they're less likely to take them, to be honest. We've, we've seen that they don't, they don't score too many if you don't give them enough of the ball. And I think like City did earlier in the season when I think, did they only win one or two nil? But they, yeah. they just controlled the game. They didn't give them the space they needed, and that's what we've got to do. Um, we've got to be quite aggressive. Um, we know that they're going to be physical at times, but we've got to play to our strengths. So 
I'm really interested to see the the team and and the shape that we that we use. So, I, but I'm feeling feeling positive. And I, I, if I had to to guess a score, I think I'm going to go three one. Yeah, see, I'm I'm going. I guess a little bit different to you. Same gap in the scoreline, but I have gone two nil. Um, I think it'll be one of those games where we score early, dominate the game, but don't obviously make too many chances because they'll probably hit into a low block and then. I think then late second half, you score a second to sort of, I can just, obviously I can, obviously everyone can, but I can hear the commentary of, and that surely seals the points for Aston Villa away at, at Lewis, you know, I mean, like, that's what I can hear at the moment. I feel like that's the way it's going to be. A really important game, I think, for us, because these are a lot of the fixtures that teams like Villa stumble on in their running, you know, in the last 15, 20 games of the season. That's where you see a lot of the fixtures, you know, that's where the pile-up hits and that's where, players sort of seem to take advantage. No FA Cup midweek means that we're one of the more, let's say, fresh teams uh, <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah. Obviously, I think we all wish we weren't, but hey hope it is what it is. Uh, and obviously, then it leads us into a really important Thursday night fixture away at, uh, at the Johan Cruyff Arena. So it's 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 an exciting time to be a Villa fan. Let's, let's just... Uh, I can't not I can't not enjoy it. I'm trying my best to think of like balanced arguments, but I can't be fucked. I just, we're gonna finish top four <laughs> with the conference league. I've decided it and it's already happening. Um yeah, I mean I don't know, is there much more to talk about this week, James? No, I think it going game game by game for me right now, I think we've put ourselves in such a good position and the, there's a five point gap between us and Spurs at the moment, even though they've got a you know a game in hand, but even with that two-point gap, we keep winning. They can't catch us. So we've got to take it game by game. Go into each one fully focused and, and positive. And uh, I think come the end of this month, if we've still got a, a decent gap between us and them and United, then, yeah, I feel like we're going to get the job done. So I'm looking forward to this busy running. Definitely. It's nice to have it back, isn't it? I sort of felt like a gap during my midweeks and I've realised it's because Villa weren't playing on Thursdays and uh I mean, let's not get too used to it because hopefully by uh, by this time next year we'll be uh, awaiting our Tuesday and Wednesday night fixtures with that glorious theme yeah, tune in the background. Uh, I agree with you. It's in our hands and I think a lot of people are focused. I mean, like, I'm going to be one of them. Obviously, I was celebrating Man United losing on the weekend. It's so much focus around us. We're in a great position where everyone wins all their games barring the match that Spurs play against us. If that's a draw, and then we win all our games. Spurs win all our games. Man United win all our games. We finished top four. So we put ourselves in a great position. Thanks to the start of the season. Let's just fucking enjoy it. I can't wait. Um, yeah. Big match tomorrow. Everyone go and enjoy it. The few amount that of you are. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, Luton Town's away end is actually situated in some houses. Um, <laughs> not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, it's great. Look it up, honestly. Uh, it's uh, it's I've just mentioned it today. <laughs> wait till you hear about Will Still as well. Right. Uh, thank you all for joining back in. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you back. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I, I'm in a position now where I can uh, I can hop on a bit more. So fingers crossed. This is uh, the return of the ABFC Faithful podcast. And as always, up the villa. Up the villa. <laughs>